Nurse Claire, go girl. Today is Monday, August 16th, 2021, time for episode 153 of the Barnhart Podcast. Today is the Feast of St. Joachim, the father of the Blessed Virgin Mary, and of course we just had the awesome, wonderful Marian Feast yesterday. Great time to talk about medical news, isn't it? Well, it's pretty much, well, it, it's, I, I will correct myself, it's not all there is to talk about. As we're recording this, what's happening is the whole um, Afghanistan debacle. People are falling off of clinging to the sides of airplanes and um, the big thing that's going on right now is that as we're recording this is there seems to be some pretty severe and serious sounding um, agitprop coming out of the mainstream media um, talking about Biden being unfit for office and it looks like they're gonna it looks like it's possible that that they are gonna now finally make their move on Biden and what we've all kind of been chatting about in in the in the little chat group that we have is is who's coming in behind they don't they don't want uh harris they hate her as much as they want to get rid of him i i personally think they want mooch obama in there um but i don't know i don't know what's going to happen but i think there's there's some pretty severe um instability that is potentially coming to the former united states right now as we speak i think it's developing isn't that part of the plan, though? And wouldn't that uh, serve a lot of interest well if there's a lot of stability? Because they're not going to bring in somebody who's popular and competent, like, say, Tulsi Gabbard. I mean, setting aside her moral standing on things like uh, stem cell research, abortion, in terms of foreign policy, she's solid. And yeah. she's also coherent. And she's multicultural. And she's accomplished. And she's a vet. And she can string four sentences together without having to read a teleprompter. Uh, but they're never going to select her. They're, they would rather have uh, Ron Paul in there than her at this point, I think. Yeah, yeah, I agree. It's um I think that's it remember Lucifer is the one who's behind all this. You've got to always pull your focus back, pull your focus back. Lucifer's behind all this and remember he is the father of lies and he is also the father of chaos. He wants chaos in every possible sense at all times. So um you basically can't foresee events right now. <laughs> Not that I mean we could in, in a very in a very macro sense, but it's going to be um, it's going to be really hard to call this immediate future. And um, this folks, this really could be it. This could be the end of the of anything that even remotely looks like the United States. This could potentially lead to state seceding, which I think needs to happen anyway. Obviously, um, it's it's suboptimal. But as I've discussed with you know. The, the whole tactical situation with regards to the North American landmass, and we've got these oceans defending us, but if you if you balkanize the whole thing, then basically you're just asking the Chinese to roll in. But, um, you know, looking at what's happened in Afghanistan, the, the whole, the entire fiction that the United States has been operating on for, I, I guess, pretty much ever since, what, World War II? We, have, we haven't actually won anything since World War II. We didn't win Korea. We didn't win Vietnam, obviously. We've never, we haven't won anything. We've just been, the petrodollar has just been cruising on this fictional notion that the United States military was 
completely undefeatable in the world. And that is that is over. That is completely, totally over. And again, I mentioned the petrodollar because that's that's such an important dynamic with regards to the mythology surrounding the United States military is that defense of the petrodollar. And now that the US military fiction is is over, completely, publicly, totally over. Boy, uh, uh, the U.S. dollar is in is in grave, grave danger at this point. Well, so the that's U.S. dollar, the U.S. dollar is backed by the full faith and credit of the government, which really means the U.S. military. That's right. And we're overextended and underrested, and and that's that's a recipe for failure. And and in terms of turning over a balkanized country to the Chinese to run, that's exactly what we're doing to Afghanistan right now. So it's kind of a, a nice little trial. That said, that's not the main topic, and we've got two more voices on the line that haven't said anything yet. Um, yes, the we're voice- absolutely loving the Clean Feed platform, and now it's, you know, if, when Super Nerd and I decide that we're going to record, it's, hey, who's available? <laughs> so who do we have tonight on the line? Uh, we've got a voice um, not in the desert, somebody who is east of the, you know what, you do the introductions better than I do, Ian. Well, she she is indeed east of the Mississippi, and um, she's a lady that that lots and lots and lots of people all over the all over the U.S. and and getting to be all over the world really want to hear from. And it is Nurse Claire. Hello, Nurse Claire. Welcome. Hi. How you doing? Oh, hanging in there. Hanging in there. <laughs> I, let's see. What is this day? Five hundred and twenty. I lost track of flatten the curve. I yeah. don't know. Yeah. So yeah, hanging in there. I, I kind of had the the inkling, the indication that you might have a couple of things to say about what's going on. So yeah, I, I, I hope you've got your your notes already. <laughs> already. All right. And who else do we have? Uh, the uh, the voice from the desert is with us as well. Mark, are you there? I'm here. Uh, I'll just have one thing to say about the Afghanistan situation, and we can move on to the topic at hand. Um, well, first of all, the 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 American military, until mm, maybe six months ago, if it doesn't have its hands, both hands, tied behind its back, and if it's able to fight total war, the outcomes of most of these things are totally different. But that's not what we've had. And unfortunately, these are the situations that you end up in. Both hands tied behind your back and a complete incapability of identifying Islamic Jihad as the opponent. Um, The second thing that I'll say is that I was able to watch the coverage today. And this is going back to the point that you and SuperNerd both just made about what may be coming next. I was able to watch the CBS, the broadcast CBS feed and ABC feed mm-hmm. in the aftermath of the speech. Okay. I was literally jaw-dropping astonished at the, 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 the word has been given mm-hmm. because these networks were absolutely trashing the administration. Yeah. Uh, at the level, uh, at least at the level that you saw with Trump, and maybe even a step beyond that, it was astonishing wow. to see. Wow. So, orders have been given. Whatever's coming next is coming. So, 
yeah. Well, they didn't want Sleepy Joe in. It just he was the 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 least bad alternative to Trump, or he was he was the alternative to Trump. I think they would have gone for absolutely anybody, even Tulsi, as long as it wasn't Trump. Well, no, I think uh, well. Yes, but I think what we had was a situation similar to what we had in 1992. And the Democrats put Clinton forward at a time when the election was unwinnable. You had Bush uh, Sr. with the highest approval rating of any president in history at the time yeah, when... coming off of the first Iraq war, absolutely, yeah. Right. Yeah. So it, Clinton was a sacrifice. He was known, none of the other Democrats wanted it at that point. Well, the same thing was true here with Biden. At the point when they were handing it to Biden, the election was unwinnable. And yeah. probably still was. It still was. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. And, you know, of course, we have to, for the listenership, there might be some people listening who are young enough to not remember any of that. What happened in 92 is, of course, H. Ross Perot is what happened. And history will judge whether or not he was, um, whether or not he was inserted into that election by the deep state. I mean, you know, at this point, in 92, none of us had the conception of the evil that that existed in, you know, in Langley, in Foggy Bottom, et cetera. It was, in, it was incomprehensible to think that Americans were against America. But now we understand what's been going on and that, that H. Ross Perot might not have been just a completely um, uh, loose cannon billionaire jumping into it, that he, he very well might have been um, a deep state operative, and he had deep connections to the deep state. He went in and he rescued his people out of Iran during the Iran hostage crisis, absolutely humiliated Carter. Perot went in and got his people out, and the U.S. military was, the, the whole Iran hostage crisis debacle happened because the U.S. military and Carter wasn't able, were not able to get people out. Uh, but Perot did. So that that tells you right there that Perot had deep state connections. So I don't know. History will judge on that. The Go CIA ahead. had their hands all over that as well. And I mentioned on the previous podcast that the CIA has been pretty, pretty useless in their history. And I was thinking of it from the from the turns of, of, you know, of generating national like national security level intelligence. And this will this will have to be for a future podcast. But if you want to get ahead of the curve, uh, listeners, l uh, read the book Operation Gladio, and uh, you're going to find some interesting things. Where no, actually, the CIA has been very successful in the history. It's just that national intelligence was not their goal. Exactly. And guess what? They were also very successful m messing around with the Vatican, and yes. not just with the um, the f the fake resignation of Pope Benedict and the ascendancy of the anti pope. We're talking all the way back, like Vatican II back. So, oh, yeah. Well, Donald Gregg and crew uh, claimed that they got JP2 elected. Yep. Yep. And they were they had a mm. hand in creating the, the Bulgarian cover story for the, um, the Grey Wolf shooters that tried to kill JP2. Mm -hmm. We'll save this for another podcast because there's a lot. I, I need to do more research on this as well, and I'm sure Ann but needs to catch up and read uh, this too. Put, put Operation Gladio in the show notes right away. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we should get started on the on the list. We got a long list, folks. Well, take it away, Anne, or we can toss it to Nurse Claire. 
well, you're the producer super nerd, so I think you should be in charge of the list and, and delegation there. So let's start where you want to start. Okay. Well, first I have to get, get back to my notes. Um, the first thing I, I've got on the list is uh, I'm talking about putting things in the, in the, in the show notes. We're going to put a soundbite from uh, the No Agenda show. And, and this was something that Nurse Claire wanted to mention is that um, she wants to make the point that we need to be prepared to treat people at home if you're sick. And this this kind of goes into a, a secondary note that I had put into the show notes of doing a prepping redux. I mean, we did the the prepping show in February of last year, mm-hmm. and um, I was tongue in cheek saying buy tons of toilet paper, and which I then did, and then come yeah. to find out that that was a timely purchase. Mm-hmm. I could have sold that for Bitcoin and actually made a lot of money. But no, the the, the idea of of medical prepping and um, it for. Other things, because I got a bunch of kids and they they are active in the summer. I've discovered that it's very it's it's actually hard to find bandages right now. So the the whole mm. idea of, of medical prepping and having things on hand so you do not have to go to the hospital that goes along with what Nurse Claire wanted to talk about. So I will sit back and uh, enjoy my red wine while I listen to you guys talk about this. Yeah, Nurse Claire, just just attack, go girl. <laughs> <laughs> well. Uh, I watched um, the the audio clip that Super Nerd just talked about. I had watched the whole interview the woman gave, and it it it's really stunning. Um, there's nothing she says that I can dispute. The NIH, she said it was the CDC, but it, it was actually the NIH put out a 351-page protocol for um, the treatment of COVID. It was sent out to hospitals everywhere. Um, I actually have it. I can link it in the show notes if anybody really wants to to read it. But it reads basically like, well, don't use this because really we don't have any evidence it works. Um, and then, do- do- honestly, I mean, I'm sorry, but I, I, I know <laughs> that horse it, left it is, the barn with these death injections a long time ago. So. <laughs> stunning what the NIH is releasing as quote-unquote data and that the medical community by and large has taken taken this as gospel truth like hi guys do you read any of these studies do you read what the NIH is telling you they looked at do you look at it for yourself Uh, the old adage if you want to do something right you should do it yourself completely applies here mm-hmm. because they're they're pushing um i'm looking right now on page 96 of this protocol they're pushing remdesivir remdesivir does not work find me a clinician who will stand by remdesivir it does not work not only doesn't it work but it also causes liver failure it's hastened the death of people mm-hmm. um and it's pa- also something that's built on uh, aborted fetal tissue, isn't it? Remdesivir, uh, probably. I don't know. I, you may be thinking Regeneron for sure, but probably Remdesivir. Um, yes, I was thinking Regeneron. That was the stuff Trump took. Oh well, we we can talk about Regeneron. Don't worry, we'll get there. But page one nineteen of this protocol, they they deliberately lie about ivermectin. There's mm-hmm. no evidence. There's no evidence of it of it working. 
There's a mountain of evidence. There's a mountain of literature, medical literature, as well as anecdotal evidence that ivermectin is profoundly effective. Um, so there's the country the, of India. Uh, yes, a, a small little backwater, such as it is. Yeah, Mexico City. Mexico City, another little small backwater. It's it's. If, if the government would like to spy on my email box, which they're probably already doing. Um, you know, multiple emails per day from people saying, took ivermectin, felt better within six hours, felt a lot better in 24 hours, completely cured in 48 to 72 hours. And then once a week I get, or so, I get an email that says basically that it saved somebody's life. It, it saved them from having to go to the hospital. It, they, they would have almost certainly died. They would have gone to the hospital and been, and been killed. And that reminds me, we need to all pray earnestly for Cardinal Burke, who I don't know why or how or what any of the circumstances of what happened, but he, he's ended up in a hospital and he's got a tube down his snorkel. And that's... I mean, talk about anecdotal evidence. I mean, what are what are the percentages, Nurse Claire? As soon as somebody gets the tube down their down their pipe, they're what ninety percent. It's something. It's, it's over seventy percent. Mm, Don't grief. come off the ventilator. Yeah. Um, so, point being, the hospitals are very resistant to deviate from this protocol. And, and I've seen this trend growing over the years of protocolizing or cookbooking mm -hmm. medicine. Um, everything has to be an algorithm. Everything has to be a protocol. We've taken so much of the thinking, the art out of, of medicine. Um, we've burdened doctors with paperwork and billing compliance issues such that they're completely distracted from the art and science of medicine and someone hands them a protocol and just makes it so easy to follow this protocol. Um, I've seen this happen over the years. It's happening in anesthesia. Um, people are very resistant to deviate from protocols and now it's happening with COVID and it's costing people their lives. And so the point I would like to make to the listenership is that once you enter a hospital, you are not going to be treated. Yeah. This protocol strongly encourages hospitals and medical providers to administer oxygen and then fluff your pillow and wait for you to die. Mm -hmm. um, so super nerd, I don't know if you're able to, to play that clip to illustrate um, a real life encounter uh, in, with this situation. I wasn't so, ready for it. I didn't have it loaded, sorry. <laughs> That's okay. So uh, point being, we have to be prepared to treat ourselves at home and avoid going to the hospital as long as you can um, because you're not, you're just, it's proof positive now. You're not gonna be treated. And there's another, um, there's another video clip going around. I think Frank Walker has it linked on Canon 212 right now. It's of a doctor. He's an MD who was in the hospital himself. The guy in the bed next to him has bacterial pneumonia, okay? Bacterial pneumonia. He needs antibiotics. They are, they are refusing to treat this man. They were refusing to treat him for bacterial pneumonia. Doctors won't even come in and look at him. 
for whatever reason, the nurses won't do anything. The man who has bacterial pneumonia is talking to this MD who's in the bed in the room with it, in the next bed. And he says, will you basically be my, my advocate, my, you know, my power of attorney in here? And the, the MD says, absolutely, I will. And what do they do? They promptly um, drag the, the MD out of the room and segregate him and get him away from the guy with bacterial pneumonia. Apparently, they just want as many people dead from pneumonia as they can possibly, possibly gin up because they want, they uh, apparently, well, we all know that they get an enormous amounts of money when they claim a COVID death. Um, and they they want the terror. They want to feed this. They want the body count. It's, um, it is absolutely astounding how quickly the mask has fallen off of what we all up until just literally a matter of months ago believed was was you know a pretty solid um, in terms of treatment. Now we all we all knew that that there were huge problems in terms of insurance and all of that. That's not what I'm talking about. I don't think any of us here on this podcast would have thought you know a year and a half, two years ago that there is this this actual murderousness. And um, it's it's astounding. And and yes, everybody is in service to Big Pharma. Going back just very briefly to Remdesivir, uh, as I understand it, Remdesivir is a failed drug that who I, I can't remember who the who the big pharma company is that developed it, but they had this on hand. And it's it's another example of like um, it's the same thing with AZT. I was going to say um, is is Anthony Fauci's fingerprints on remdesivir because AZT he definitely had his hands all over. That was a failed, uh, failed chemotherapy, chemotherapy drug. Yep. That yep. specifically Fauci pushed, and there are people still from the 1990s wanting to have him charged with international war crimes for yeah. pushing that and causing the the premature deaths of a lot of people with HIV. Um, it's not the most virtuous community, but they, the, those who haven't died have long memories, and they hate Fauci and Burks because they remember the deaths that were caused by AZT back in the 80s and 90s. Most of those, yeah, those people died of AZT. They didn't die of AIDS. That's, that's the thing that almost nobody realizes to this day, yeah. Yeah, there are a lot of people who want Fauci charged with, with manslaughter, if not murder, uh, Amen. For for pushing AZT Crimes when he against knew yeah. when he yeah. knew it did not work, and his yep. his answer was, "Well, they're going to die anyway." He he's he is up there at this point easily with Hitler, with Stalin, with Mao. He he's up in that in that echelon, no question. Okay, Nurse Claire, get us back on track. <laughs> So where we started on this was making sure that you're prepared at home because pretty much what we're seeing is the last thing you want is to go to the hospital. Yeah. So let's talk about the protocol and what people need to be prepared with at home, what they already should be taking as a preventative, but that they also need to be ready if they get sick. Well, yeah. obviously, we're, we all agree ivermectin's at the top of the list, but I know, Nurse Claire, that there's like four things on the, the protocol, so review it with all of us. Well, there's several protocols on the COVID, the Frontline COVID uh, Critical Care Alliance website, which we can link in the show notes, but the preventative protocol, just for prevention, 
is ivermectin weekly, uh, vitamin D3, vitamin C, uh, quercetin, zinc, melatonin. These are things that you absolutely must have on hand. They're cheap. Um, they're easily acquired. I will say ivermectin is becoming more increasingly more difficult to find though. So if you don't have it, you need to get it like yesterday. Um, and we're talking, we're talking like the livestock versions because yes. um, this is another point. I think this is on our list. We can kind of cross these off as we, as we cover them in, in random order. But I'm starting to get anecdotal uh, reports that people acquire prescriptions and somehow acquire human pill ivermectin um, and it doesn't do anything. And so then they switch over to one of the livestock forms, either the 1% injectable taken orally or the pony paste, and it works immediately. And so what that is strongly implying is what big pharma um, might already be doing is they might already be um, shooting blanks in terms of human ivermectin in order to poison the anecdotal evidence well. And yet, yes, I absolutely 1,000% believe that they would do that. I think that they would sell placebo and call it, call it ivermectin in order to it, destroy the reputation of ivermectin. So it, it, in the irony of ironies, it is in fact the livestock form in the, at this point that is more secure in the sense that you're you're going to be getting ivermectin. I mean that they're not selling they're not selling bottles of of saline and and calling it um, livestock ivermectin. It's it's really ivermectin. So you're safer you're safer and more more secure as to what the the substance of what you're getting is ironically by going the livestock route because people that? will not harm animals in that respect and to give the animals uh saline or or null solutions instead of actual ivermectin would be cruelty to animals and that's a felony in a lot of states i mean i'm saying this partly tongue-in-cheek but seriously at the same time yeah and another thing too to keep in mind if you've already uh, taken ann's advice and gotten ivermectin you know, every time I need to go to Farm and Fleet or or someplace like that, I keep an eye out to see do they have can do they have another uh, quarter liter bottle of, of ivermectin on on stock. I'm going to add to my stock, even though I've got enough for me personally. When things hit the fan, being able to share this with family and friends is going to be important. And and that was something you mentioned in one of your blog posts is or so actually was I think it was from an email somebody sent was getting the little um, amber uh, bottles. Amber, yeah. because it blocks the the sunlight with the the droppers and, and ideally graduated droppers, so you know how much you're you're dosing in and whatnot, so that you don't necessarily have to have needles uh, like livestock needles for drawing the stuff out. Although there's significant convenience in the fact that that's very uh, precisely graduated at, at, at ranges that it, that's that's very useful for the the weights of most humans. But the thing to remember with ivermectin, I'm really glad that you brought that up, is that people are just agonizing over the dosage of this stuff. And I mean, I don't want to be flippant and casual about dosing, but guys, I mean, if if the FLCCC comes out and says we're upping our, our dosage recommendation, absolutely go for it. I mean, I am not going to say and I am not going to print, but I found what the overdose a threshold of ivermectin is. Um, so I... Uh, 
I know that. I am not going to say it and I am not going to print it because if I did, some idiot would, would immediately go out and take the overdose level dose thinking, well, if, if some is good, then more is better. When at, at a certain point, you're, you get diminishing returns. You're not going to get any more benefit. And then at a certain point, that's just, <laughs> believe me, this number is high. Um, it, it, you're, I, I call it, you know, drunk Russian taking a bet quantities of this stuff. But someone would do it because that's, that's the way people are. Um, you can absolutely increase the dosage of ivermectin. You can increase the frequency. This stuff sails through the liver. It's, it's safe. Um, yeah, if they, if they say kick the dose, if, the, if the, the docs are saying kick that dosage up, absolutely go for it. If you want to take it for five days instead of three, if you want to take it every day instead of waiting, waiting 48 hours between the dosage, it's not going to hurt you. People are just agonizing over this. And it's, you know, you're, you're agonizing over things that don't need to be agonized over. And going back to my original example of this, go look at your bottle of aspirin. What does it say on the back? Ages 12 and over, take two, two caplets in, in 24 hours. That's the same dosage for a 12-year-old girl as for a 250-pound man. The, the dosage, the, the window of, of freedom with this dosage of these drugs is very, very wide. And people are just way, way overly concerned about these things. Well, Anne, on your website, it says this, and the FLCCC, they say this, guy, just, just take the damn stuff, okay? Just get it into your body. Really, I mean, don't, don't freak out about it. It's, ivermectin is super duper duper safe. Now, we can't say that about all drugs, obviously, but ivermectin is one easy going, and it's literally the safest drug in the world. Don't do anything stupid. Don't do anything retarded. You'll be fine. Nurse Claire, pick it up. So the a couple points I'd like to make about ivermectin, I don't disagree with anything that you said. Um, I think that the pony paste, we can turn that over to Mark as the expert, but I'll just quickly talk about the injectable. You, it is safe for people over 15 kilograms, which is 33 pounds. So if you have a child and children are now reportedly getting sick, um, if you have a child, you want to dose it to, it's basic algebra. It's 0.2 milligrams per kilogram. We can put it in the show notes. It's mm -hmm. easy math. Um, anybody with a middle school education can figure this out. But I would strongly suggest going the livestock route because there are, as you pointed out, Anne, these anecdotal reports, and I've been seeing them too, of human ivermectin pills not being very effective. So I do question if something nefarious is going on. Mm -hmm. But also, I've heard from multiple people, you know, they go with the America's Frontline Doctors, the speakwithanmd.com, uh, the myfreedoctor.com, these websites where you can call and speak to a physician. They will give you a prescription and then you can... And go get your ivermectin pharmacies are up in arms over this yeah from from what i'm hearing walgreens cvs openly hostile openly hostile and resistant towards filling these medications the other 
or filling these prescriptions, the other trick I've heard that they're doing is um, they'll fill them and then when they run out, the pharmacist is not ordering more. So they're, mm -hmm. they'll, they'll just tell you, oh, we don't have any right now. You have to go somewhere else. So they're not replacing their inventory. All sorts of things going on to try to keep people from obtaining this very effective medication. And so, you go in a database, and you go in a government database, and right. you're paying something like 20 times per dose. Yes. What you yes. would pay if you just go buy the uh, a bottle of the livestock injectable. I think the livestock injectable is running usually about twenty cents a dose, and who who knows what you're what you're being charged or what your insurance company is being charged when you go and get it to the pharmacy. Why why get yourself on, on government surveillance in a database? Why? engage all of this when you can walk into an ag supply store, get it out of the pharma case, walk to the cash register, pay for it with cash and walk out the door and nobody knows you have it and there's none of this engagement with the government and the system and the man. They're clearly nefarious, so stay the hell away from them. It, it just, it really does mystify me. I still get emails from people that say, well, I'm not going to take anything that has, that's labeled for livestock use. Well, okay, more for us, ding yeah. dong. Suit I mean, yourself. Suit yourself. It's, it's uh, your we, funeral. We've, we've talked literally. about this. Right. And we've mm -hmm. discussed this in previous podcasts that just because it's a veterinary label does not mean it's a different chemical composition I can give my dog people medicine if she needs a Benadryl you know mm -hmm. um it's it's no different there there are medications that cross over the one that is formulated differently that I do want people to be aware of though is anything labeled drench or pour on right that is ivermectin that is that is formulated in a shampoo to be applied topically to an animal. So no, you can't ingest that. Also, there are some ivermectin um, creams out there for people yeah. for derm dermatologic conditions. If you have a prescription for um, ivermectin that you use for rosacea that you apply to your skin, yeah, you can't eat that either. So Again, but the interestingly, it goes it goes the other way. People are saying that they've put pony paste on their red nose or whatever, and it's cleared it up. So <laughs> I mean, it's yeah. But just use common sense. It's really easy, guys. You either take the one percent injectable orally, you drink it, or you can you can take the pony paste. Um, that that's pretty much it. And it's it's still out there. It's still available. You can do it. Um, get it while you can. Yes, absolutely get it while you can is key and get enough of it, get enough mm -hmm. of it for yourself, for your family, for your friends and, and to help others yeah. because we're going to need it. Moving into the respiratory viral season, which is fall and winter, we're going to need it. So keep it on hand. Yep. Absolutely. Um, now the other, the other, uh, like, quercetin and, and stuff like that how do you how do you get that how do you acquire that amazon okay any any vitacost any sort of i mean even i think the grocery store vitamin section you can buy these things wow very okay. easy yeah very easy to obtain okay. very easy to obtain
any of the other uh, protocols, you can go to just CVS or, or Walgreens, and they have it from the zinc and the Cuseritin and uh, everything else. Go to go to Costco for the vitamin C and the vitamin D. They've got big, giant bottles, and they're super cheap. Um, and as far as the uh, the pony paste goes, still widely available at ag stores. I checked for myself on Saturday, and... The, the single tubes seem to be in short supply, but they also sell them by the, I don't want to say by the case, but like there's 12 tubes in a, in a box. Oh, nice. There still nice. seem to be plenty of those behind a giant sign saying, if you take this, for, if you're a human and you take this, you'll die. Yeah. So you're going to have <laughs> to reach bastards. behind that oh. sign. Yeah, reach behind that sign and grab the biggest box that you see. Yep, absolutely. In the ag supply stores where I've been looking and shopping, it's it, these are in locked cases, so you you have to you know hang out and and make it look like you know what you're doing and saying I I need you know the the quarter liter bottle of of whatever. I wonder if that's new. No, th- no, this it's is ever not been new. it's ever been thus. Yeah, it's been it's been hmm. like that all. Not at mine. Yeah. In in terms of the the ag supplies, you know, right across the the aisle where I typically shop and find find ivermectin, there's also a, a, a chill case there. A refrigerated case that that has uh, penicillin, and mm-hmm. and and these are exactly the same things you would use for humans, but they're also in and you use them for animals as well. And if you have access and can get stuff like that, that that's a much more advanced way of, of uh, prepping. But you got to make sure absolutely you, you got to make yep. sure you can keep that stuff chilled at that point too. Um, the other thing I wanted to mention was on the vitamin D, you really have to pay attention to the uh, the dosage, not the dosage, but How the many actual. I use, yeah. Yeah, in each pill. Because mm-hmm. I found that the, the stuff that I was buying, I think at CVS, it was only, I think, a quarter of the amount of I use as a pill in the bottle that you buy at Costco. Yeah. So I think we're recommending or the the frontline doctors are recommending something like four to 8,000. Mm-hmm. And yeah, the one, the little chewable ones that I get are 2000 each. So yeah. Right. And Costco has their tiny little swallowable, you know, but they're tiny, like they're smaller than a Tic Tac. Mm-hmm. Uh, those are 2000 a piece. Mm-hmm. Of course, if you really want to, and I, I'm saying this in air quotes, do it right. Get the stuff that's actually going to be absorbable the easiest. The, and, and the pills, I don't know if you're talking about liquid pills, uh, Mark, or or uh, solid pills of, of D3. But the, the drops can be um, absorbed into the body the easiest. And in terms of vitamin C, um, I, uh, Nurse Claire mentioned Vitacost. Um, my wife is a, a big shopper of Vitacost for all all the above, basically, except for except for uh, ivermectin. You can't buy it there. But um, in terms of vitamin C, get, get, if you can get the powdered vitamin C, that stuff will uptake into your system the fastest. So if mm. you get sick and you need to take a, a saturation dose of vitamin C, uh, take, taking the powdered vitamin C into whether it's water or or um, uh, vitamin water, whatever whatever liquid it is you're going to take, cold wa- cold liquid. You don't want to mix this in with your coffee, but the the powdered stuff uh, basically becomes part of the liquid you're you're drinking, and that uptakes the fastest. Mm. Um, the absolute most best ideal way is to actually eat raw citrus. 
not raw, but uh, citrus that you get off the tree, it's already, you know, bio um, available in, in its ideal natural state. That is the most ideal way of doing it. But unless you live in Florida or Texas, ironically, two of the states that might secede because they want to be free. Unless yeah. you live there and you've got a ready supply to grapefruits and oranges and things like that, powdered vitamin C is a, an awesome thing to have on hand. Cool. The other thing to note with vitamin C is it's literally impossible to overdose because it's a water soluble. So if you take too much, you just go to the bathroom. A very expensive pee. Yeah, <laughs> <Right>? yeah. <laughs> um, I want to I want to go back to vitamin D real quick and make mm-hmm. a quick little. This is not part of the protocol, but it's one of my little helpful hints. Um, vitamin K two actually enhances the effectiveness of vitamin D3. And the, the ratio there for every 5,000 units, 5,000 IUs of vitamin D3, you should take 50 micrograms of vitamin K2. So I always have both and I take them together. I also have a big jar of the vitamin C powder that Super Nerd just talked about. And when my kids are sick, it's I give it to them, I mix it in their juice. Um, I'd make them drink through straw cause it can sort of damage the enamel on your teeth if you're not careful, but, um, Ooh. and they're, they're oh, yeah, usually, it's an acid, isn't it? Yeah. they mm-hmm. they usually feel better by the end of the day. Now, nurse Claire, can you add anything to any, just a concern that popped into my head that I'm not a doctor and I could be wrong, but for anyone who's been vaccinated, adding the K to the D3 because of the clotting effects. Is there any concern with the vitamin K for anyone who may have taken the vaccine? Hmm. That's a good question. Um, I don't think that K2 is, is the formulation of vitamin K. I don't think so, but I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to look into that. It sounds like a chemistry question in the same sense that uh, thimerosal and mercury are chemically very different. And I know I just opened a gigantic can of worms for a whole bunch of people by saying that, but they're very different. That's another episode. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I said it. Sorry. All right. Well, super um, nerd. Do we have a topic too? Yeah. Well, what's we have next? lots of topics. Um, well, I, I I listed out a whole bunch, and and I was supposed to hold a a pre-show meeting to decide which order we want to put these in. So I'll just go next. Uh, the, the next one on the, on the list I had is why is there an ER crisis? And that's in, um, energy room, emergency rooms. And, and um, Nurse Claire, I think, probably has some insight on that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, the, the short answer is that, I mean, the TLDR, but, but uh, Nurse Claire can definitely expand upon this. Staffing shortages from layoffs. And so then you end up with a non- full staff and so it's not that that it's, it's not that, not it's beds, not that ERs it's staff. Are, yeah yeah it's not that ERs are being overrun it's that if you are think of it like a shopping uh like Walmart I mean everybody listening has gone to Walmart or Tesco or some equivalent wherever you live and if they have 32 cashier lanes but only one is operational yeah, or two right, right and everyone wants to buy something because it's it's uh 8 a.m on Sunday before the big football game guess what it's going to be a long wait. Yeah. Nurse Claire, go girl. Well, I, I've said this on Twitter for anyone that follows me. The, the 
staffing crisis that healthcare is currently experiencing is going to be used by the media to fear monger and say, oh, the hospitals are overrun. We've got empty beds. We've got empty beds. I see them with my own eyeballs. This is not a bed shortage. This is a staff shortage. And it's not only nursing, but it's nursing support. Um, there were a lot of nurses that were furloughed during the, the quote-unquote lockdown. Because mm -hmm. people um, saw them making TikTok videos dancing and saying, oh, well, we don't need them. Yes. Uh, and they were furloughed and they were also offered early retirement. So probably around February this year, we lar lost a large number of nurses in my hospital to early retirement. Mm. They weren't, yeah, they were offered early retirement. They left, they were not replaced. Um, now, some of it is the vaccine, the threat of a vaccine mandate. Um, some yeah. of it is just burnout. They don't want to do this anymore. Some of them see exactly what's happening as far as the unethical, the lying to people, the withholding treatment. Um, and we're losing nurses in droves. Some of them are taking pay cuts for non-hospital jobs like doctor's offices, um, things where they're doing chart reviews at home. Uh, some of them are leaving the profession entirely. We're also losing a lot of support staff in the hospital because these people are very underpaid. They can collect more on unemployment. They can collect mm -hmm. more by working in a place like Aldi's. And we don't have housekeeping staff. We don't have a lot of technicians um, throughout the hospital that perform. I mean, these people, they're not, um, they're like the unsung heroes of the hospital. And when they're gone and they're not there, you realize what an absolutely vital role they play. Our central yeah. sterile supply, these people clean all of the instruments we use in the operating room, they clean and sterilize everything. And then they package trays according to what procedure we're doing. So when those people vanish, things the operating room doesn't run. Mm -hmm. And you're paying these people seven, eight dollars an hour to do this. They can go to Target now and make yep. 20 bucks an hour. So we're losing staff in hospitals um, this is, I've never, there's always been ups and downs and ebbs and flows throughout the years that I have been in healthcare. I've never seen it like this though. This well, is, it's intentional. It's engineered. It is. It is and engineered. They're going to bring I, in Chinese to replace all these people yes, too. Yeah. Correct. There's a movement where I live to bring in a lot of nurses from overseas to fill in the gaps. They're just waiting on their immigration paperwork. Um, so that's gonna be an issue. The other issue will be in the fall when it becomes flu season and we have legit influenza patients, if there is another spike in COVID, which I believe that there will be due to the vaccine, I believe, is causing any sort of variant. I think the vaccine has transformed people, it's my personal opinion, into walking gain-of-function labs. Yeah. Um, yeah. They're creating um, the, the Delta variant. Um, they're going to also be the ones who suffer from ADE when they do 
when they are exposed to the virus in the wild, they are the ones that will have the cytokine storms and occupy all of the ICU beds. We're, we're not going to have the staff to handle any of this. And I do, I hope I'm wrong. I really hope I'm wrong. But in the next six months, I predict that the healthcare system will likely collapse. Yeah. And, and we mean collapse, folks. Um, we're, we're not kidding. And we've been messaging with Dr. Beep on this. He's very busy today, and he couldn't join us. But he says exactly the same thing. He anticipates a full collapse of, of the healthcare delivery system in the United States. And that kind of led into a, a sub-point that, you know, a lot of these, these Karens and these boomers who were running around who are falling for this, who are going along with this, and arguing that this, you have to wear a mask and you have to get the death injection and all this in order to protect them, in order to protect others. Um, I think that what a, a, a clear goal of the new world order in all of this is, with regards to collapsing the system, is that they're looking at things like cancer and diabetes and things like that. And remember, these people are Malthusians. They want their top, top, top priority is human population reduction. Most of them cite 90% as what they want. They want to go from 7.77.8 billion down under 1 billion. I think that they look at the fact that people are are living with diabetes and it isn't killing them, that people are living with and beating cancer and it isn't killing them. And a key objective in all of this is to get back to where diabetes and cancer have the, leth the lethality that they had decades and centuries hence, uh, centuries ago. Um, I think that they're looking at all this and, and saying, We've got to get these middle-aged people with cancer and with diabetes and all these obese people. We need to get them dead. And so all of the all of the the fat, overweight, middle-aged Karens who are running around who think that this is all being done that you know the healthcare and Fauci and all that that they're trying to protect them and they're trying to keep them alive. It's exactly the opposite. I think what all of this is is really gearing towards even aside from the question of the death injections, um, I think they want to go back to where all of these things are lethal again. And that includes influenza too. And that's, that's another key point in all of this. The reason, a, a key indicator that you know that this is a nefarious plot is again, these people are Malthusians and they want human population reduction. How does it make any sort of a sense and how does it genuinely, genuinely jibe with their agenda, that you have a, an alleged plague running over the face of the earth, if it if it weren't re, if it were real, if it were a real plague, and it wasn't a situation that we're in now where the virus was made for the vaccine, okay? If it if it were a real plague, don't you think the Malthusians would just shut their mouths, step back, and let let the plague, you know? run rampant over the face of the earth and kill as many people as possible. But no, their agenda is nobody can ever die of any sort of pneumonia ever again. No one can ever get a chest cold ever again, which is of course an impossible standard, but they know it's an impossible standard. 
if, if this were real, if it were a real plague and, and this was a, they were honest in, in their actions, they would be keeping their mouths shut and letting it kill people because that's what they want. That's how you know that this is all fake and that the virus, in quotes, was made for the vaccine and the vaccine isn't a vaccine. And it's probably a, a tool to make to increase lethality. And it's, um, I posted, <laughs> I, a friend sent me a, an article from 2016 about Moderna, uh, written in 2016 and about the, the president and founder of Moderna, this, this French dude, Ben Sell, I think is how you, re, you pronounce his last name. And he is completely explicit about the fact that his entire model in all this is the software industry. What they want to do is they want to get whatever people are left alive basically into a what could be directly analogized to a software subscription or a um, computer antivirus subscription paradigm, except with your, with your immune system. Yep, immune system by subscription. Um, the, the Moderna guy is completely upfront about this. And, of course, the, the key indicator that all of this is is completely fake and that this all has Fauci's fingerprints all over it is that Moderna in its very long history and billions and billions and billions of dollars never brought one product, not one to market, not one product, but you, but they actually expect us to believe that Moderna created an, a safe, effective MRNA vaccine in five weeks if you believe the timelines of all of this. So they had existed the, for 10 years and yep. they had never brought, they had never commercialized a product. And not only, so that's true what you just said, they, they allegedly developed a vaccine for this new coronavirus and they did it in five weeks. Five but even weeks. If you, but even if you go back to the beginning of the five weeks, Fauci decided that Moderna was going to be the partner of the federal government Yep. To do this work when they had never commercialized a product in their history. And in fact, if you read the argument, the, uh, read the article that I, that I posted in full because it's so damning, I said, I don't care if they, if they threaten me with, with copyright infringement. We need to get this populated onto the internet and onto the search engines if, if the original publisher takes it down. They fully admit that these mRNA um, injections are toxic. And they're openly talking about how the toxicity is a huge problem and the more doses you give people, the more toxicity there is. And I mean, it's just absolutely astounding. They're talking about everything, exactly everything that's going on right now. And it's, it seems to me it's very, very clear that this is just, you know, Fauci, Bencel, a group of these, a group of these people, these oligarchs, partnering with these Silicon Valley oligarchs, and they, they just all decided that we are going to make trillions of dollars, we are going to take over basically human life on this planet, and we are going to set up a system whereby everyone has to, has to, in order to wake up breathing as a human being, either you subscribe to our... Um, are monthly, I've, I've seen talk now, especially in the UK, they're talking about these jabs being monthly. You either, you either subscribe 
subscribe to their monthly jabs or else you will starve to death under a bridge and everybody and everybody will be happy that you're dead because you're a horrible uncharitable person if you don't inject yourself with these poisons i mean this is this is end times level stuff even even wikipedia sorry super nerd even wikipedia has the true story on moderna and they haven't bothered to scrub it 18 months later i, I wow. wrote a story about i wrote a post about this a few months ago maybe i'll repost it tomorrow but they still haven't scrubbed it it's right there on Wikipedia. If you want to see the 10-year history of Moderna and the failures and empty promises and the billions of dollars that have been poured into this from investment firms and governments, go to Wikipedia right now and look it up. Yeah, and it also turns out that the guy, the head of Moderna, the founder, Ben Sell, the French guy, is a raging, raging psychopath. So, I mean, they were, they are constantly turning over staff. He just fires everybody. If, if you do an experiment and the experiment doesn't turn out quote unquote, well, this Ben cell guy will rage at you and fire you on the spot. Now, wait a minute. How is that science? Don't we do experiments and then we get the results and you know, whatever the results are, that's what dictates, you know, the next step. This guy is saying, you will produce a drug, and I don't care. I don't care how, how you do it, but you, you will bring me results. That's what he said. We, we, we're all about delivering. We're all about results. It doesn't matter whether or not it works. It doesn't matter whether or not it's safe. You will deliver, and you will generate results. And, I mean, this is the, this is the complete antithesis of scientific investigation. And if you and yet, don't deliver results, there's going to be hell to pay. There's going to be a huge hissy fit. And longtime listeners to the Barnhart podcast are going to recognize this sounds like another kind of personality type we've talked about a lot. Oh, yeah. I don't, that, I don't that, know I mean, if there's any overlap, but that's what occurred to me when you said that. Oh, yeah. He's he's full on diabolical narcissist. Absolutely. 100 percent. Yep. So. It's it all it all comes around. It's all connected. It's all it's all of the same piece, truly. Um, so just to see. close that off, the 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 reason they got the contract, the reason they got the 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 go ahead to be the preferred partner of the federal government, is because yeah. in a meeting, in the Oval Office, in the first week of or I'm sorry, I guess it was sometime in February of 2020, with all these pharmaceutical heads and whatnot. Guess who was the one guy who told Trump that he could have a vaccine in a matter of months? It was Bansell, and they got the contract the next day. Oh, yeah, Trump just moving from strength to strength, that one did. Good grief. How you could trust any of these people, not do any due diligence. That's, that's another thing that just astounds me, is that apparently he was messing around on Twitter, clearly addicted to Twitter, and addicted to social media, addicted to watching his own press coverage on Fox News and whatever, and was doing apparently zero due diligence of his own. I mean, seriously, dude, you, you, you don't know how to use a search engine. You can't, you can't look this up. Like Mark said, the, the, the shady history of Moderna is, is right there for all to see. But then, you know, having as I say this right now in real time, it occurs to me, Moderna and its its failure and enormous amounts of debt and just always teetering on the precipice of bankruptcy and having to go and and you know 
do um, capital capital raising campaigns and crap like that. That's exactly how how Trump you know, ran his, his life and his business, always falling in and out of bankruptcy, everything leveraged to the hilt, et cetera, et cetera. And I, I, I don't know if, even if Trump had seen that, that this company has zero track record, cannot produce anything as the, as one uh, contributor to the article said, this thing is basically an, an investment fund and they're kind of maybe hoping at some point that they produce a drug at some point, you know. Um, I, I, if, even if Trump had done his due diligence, would his, would his red flag have gone up? Or would he would have just said, oh, yeah, that's fantastic. There's, there's sophisticated financiers, <laughs> whatever. It's just, uh, that, well, we should probably not descend into, you know, talking about how much Trump just let absolutely everyone down in every conceivable sense, because that's a whole nother episode. And in fact, we've done a couple of those episodes already. And we should we should save that for having Vanessa because she's the best at that. So <laughs> we've, we've done three or four of those, I think. At, yeah, at least two or three for sure. For sure. Um, yep. I think it was, it was within the first three or four episodes of the whole podcast series. Uh, being ourselves to death. Yes, Kayfabe. That was, yep. I think that was episode two. Yep, yep. That was 2017. I think you're absolutely right. Yep. We've been doing this for four years. Yes, sir. Yes, it feels sir. like two. Time flies when you're having fun, baby. Uh, something like that. <laughs> so we've talked a ton already in this podcast. We're just crossing the hour mark here. Uh, we've talked a lot about COVID. And one of the things that, that is, bears repeating, it's kind of like, and this is the analogy I came up with when this topic came up for uh, insertion in, into the, into the things to talk about tonight. It made me think about exorcists who warned that not all manifestations of evil that you see in the world are linked to demonic possession. Uh, that yes. demonic possession is actually quite rare, mm-hmm. even in these days where evil is on the rise. Uh, authentic demonic possession is actually kind of rare, and so every time somebody gets sick, it's not COVID. There are actual just plain old pneumonia. There's plain old cold. It ain't COVID. So, yeah, everything that, that mind, existed please. before still exists. I mean, influenza hasn't gone away. Bacterial bugs haven't gone away. Everything that existed, how many months is it now? You know, 19 months or 20 months or wherever we're at. 20 months ago, all of the stuff that we all completely acknowledged and realized was out there and floating around. It's still there. It's just that people have absolute tunnel vision. And if they get sick at all, they say, well, I must have this. It's COVID. I've got the coof. Well, no, maybe not. And I've, I've received several emails from people saying, well, I took, I took ivermectin and it didn't do anything. Well, if you don't have a viral issue, if what you have is bacterial, then you can throw as much antiviral drug at it as you want, and it's not going to do anything. You need antibiotics for something that's bacterial. But I'm really seeing this, that people are totally getting this tunnel vision. And I think doctors are the same way. There's only COVID. 
everything is COVID, nothing, nothing else will even be entertained, COVID, 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 COVID. Nurse Claire, are you, are you kind of seeing that? Do you have any sense of that in the hospital setting? Absolutely, absolutely. Everything is COVID. Um, we, that's the first thing that, that regardless of what the symptoms are, you know, mm -hmm. it's something that's so clearly not COVID. You know, you have food poisoning, you're vomiting. Oh, it must yeah. be COVID. We have to run a COVID test. Um, well, there's still the financial incentive to code everything as COVID, whether it is or not, isn't it? Well, there's also the financial incentive to do all of this testing. Mm -hmm. um, I will quickly relay a story. I was doing a case with an oral surgeon last week, and he had a patient coming in in the afternoon for a procedure, and the man um, was trying to get a COVID test before he came into the surgeon's office, and it was $200. He did not have the $200 to pay for this COVID test, so he called the office, wanted to know if the test was necessary, if he could just come in and have his tooth fixed without the COVID test. And the oral surgeon said, well, I, you know, everybody here in the room, everybody has to be in agreement. And the dental assistant said, absolutely not. I don't yeah. want to potentially be. So they forced this guy to pay 200 bucks to have a COVID test before he could come into this office to be treated. So not only is there this tunnel vision that everybody's whipped into a frenzy with their irrational fear of COVID, so they assume every ache and pain is mm -hmm. related to COVID, but then there's also this little niche uh, market that's been carved out for all of these testers to be pushing for tests and charging for tests. Um, Yep. So the the whole thing is it, to call it a scamdemic is really an underestimate. Yeah, it's there's just people people making money off of this, and we're talking. I mean, we're not talking millions of dollars, folks. We're talking about billions of dollars being thrown around in way. And then when you talk about big pharma like Pfizer and Moderna, um, it, depending on how long humanity allows this war to continue without fighting back. Um, however many years this drags out onto, and if, if people actually start doing this quarterly or monthly um, quote-unquote vaccination scam, this could, this could go into the trillions of dollars that private companies are going to make off of this. Yeah. And just in terms of the testing, if you haven't been tested or haven't gone lately, what it's broken down into now is you know, they, they keep saying, well, we're keeping track. We know it's not just the number of tests. We actually know the number of people that have been tested because they're all, it's kept, you know, individual files. You don't even have to submit your social security number or your phone number or anything now. You give them an email address and you go get tested and they bill the federal government. There's no exchange of insurance information or anything. It's just a pure scam at this point which means you're paying through your taxes. So <laughs> good grief. Yeah, it's all free. It's all free. No, no, sweetie, nothing is free. Goodness. Yep. Yikes. Amazing. I just wanted to come back real quick to, to close off the, the question about the staffing shortages that Nurse Claire was talking about. Mm -hmm. yeah. I just have one anecdotal, actually two anecdotal um, pieces about that. One is what's happening in Houston right now. And the Houston hospital networks were the first ones to require, to, to mandate the vaccination for all employees. And what you're seeing down there is an exodus because of that. 
I know that in Arizona, when they first offered, basically after uh, the elderly, the healthcare workers and the first responders were then given exclusive access to the vaccine. This is in, I don't know, February. And only, only about half of the healthcare workers in Arizona went and got it when they could all go get it and they were the only ones, only ones allowed to get it. So that's very telling. Mm-hmm. Um, in Houston, what's happening now is a little bit of what Nurse Claire was uh, describing, which is it's not actually a bed shortage, so to speak. It's that they don't have the staff yeah. because they've mandated the jab and, you know, nurses are leaving, but even more so the support staff. So if you're like cleaning, if you're like changing bed sheets, you're going to go work at Applebee's. You know what I mean? Like it's not. Well, it's, it, was it you who posted a pic into the into the chat conversation of like McDonald's with a sign outside that said, 25 bucks an hour plus no that was me that was you that was you it was me 23 dollars an hour plus a free bus pass um to flip burgers i mean that wasn't even a shift manager that was burger flipper so that's triple what the cleaning staff to 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 clean bedpans or to change sheets or to mop the floors and if you don't have those people to do that you're how do you operate a hospital you don't. So it's not just nurses is my is my point. Or you do operate a hospital and it's like Cuba, you know, and if you right. if, do a Google search of Cuban hospitals and you will you will see very disgusting images. Believe you me. Yep. it's like Minority Report where the, the doc that like cuts his eyeball out. Right. I don't know. I don't remember that. Oh, geez. OK. <laughs> it uh, sounds absolutely charming, though. So. <laughs> so the last point I wanted to make on that is, again, anecdotal, but uh, two or three days ago, they were talking about shortages. So now all of the Phoenix hospitals have come out with mandates. They're not effective until September, but they, they announced them. So they've got people leaving, too. And they were interviewing the head of operations for one of the largest uh, uh, hospital chains here. I think it was Banner. And she's talking through the whole interview about COVID overrunning hospitals and we don't have the beds, blah, blah, blah. And then at the very end, the very last thing she said, almost she kind of let it slip out. We're also looking to hire several hundred nurses. <laughs> and I'm like, that doesn't. Well, I, no, I thought she was exaggerating at, the, at that moment. I thought she was exaggerating a, a few hundred nurses that for one for one hospital, hospital. system. Yeah. So I go on bannerhealth.com slash careers, whatever, and I filter on nurses. They have 560 nurse openings. That's one system in one city. Wow. And I have done work in the medical industry, granted writing software, but I've heard of a lot of different software names or or hospital and and, uh, health system names. I've never heard of Banner. So... If Banner has that kind of issue, imagine what Kaiser Permanente mm-hmm. or Blue Cross or Anthem or something like that is dealing with. I think it's just all of them. Now, here's, here's an interesting thing, uh, and this is specifically for Nurse Claire. There's some thought that these mandates are mostly, they're bluffing. They cannot, and this goes for not just a health, the healthcare system, but this also goes for you know corporations, airlines, anybody. 
they cannot lose even 10% of their workforce. If they do, it will shut them down. So if people will just stand their ground and not give up, that it's already kind of you're hearing anecdotes of it starting of of corporations backing off of these so-called death injection mandates um, because they're realizing that if they follow through with it, um, that it will it will literally completely shut them down. Nurse Claire, do you have any thoughts on that? I heard from two nurses this morning, both of them different parts of the United States, both of them their hospitals have walked back the mandates. Mm-hmm. So I hope that what you're saying is correct, and I would encourage everyone out there to hold the line and stand firm on this because... It, we said this with the mask. We said yep. it with the mask. Guys, yep. if you put the mask on and you comply, it's never going away. That's if you right. take the vaccine, not only are you endangering your own health, you're potentially endangering the health of others around you, but it's never going away. Yep. The boosters are coming. They're already telling where I work, they're already offering the boosters to people who are immunosuppressed or who have comorbidities. Um, they're acknowledging that there is no immunity conferred and that therefore everybody has to have a booster. It's not going to end. There's That's no right. end to this. There's no end to this. Yep. So and do it's intentional. not. Yep. Exactly. Don't give in. And while we're on the topic of, of the vaccine, um, we've discussed, I think, quite, you know, quite in depth, all of the moral issues associated with that. And mm -hmm. it, it's not just the violation of the Eighth Commandment by pretending that this is necessary, pretending that this is safe, pretending that this is, is effective. The violation of the Fifth Commandment because of the risk of self-harm, but mm -hmm. also the violation of the Fifth Commandment because of the link to abortion. Mm -hmm. So what, I, what became um, apparent to me in the last week or so is the monoclonal antibodies. Regeneron is the company um, everybody refers to the monoclonal antibodies as Regeneron, which really isn't technically correct because it's not the product. It's, that's the company name. But Regeneron, the monoclonal antibodies that Trump allegedly received when he allegedly had COVID last year, those antibodies are now being used to treat, um, they're being used for post-exposure prophylaxis in the unvaccinated let me tell you, Regeneron openly, openly discloses on their website that they use human embryos from in vitro fertilization to humanize mice. They are injecting mice with, with human embryos to create these monoclonal antibodies mm. um, that they are now trying to sell to the unvaccinated. So those of us who have opposed the vaccine for moral reasons are now potentially going to be duped into taking monoclonal antibodies that are directly linked to the destruction of human embryos. They, they were also tested on the, um, the HEK uh, aborted fetal cells. So, so they're indeed linked to abortion. So don't, 
don't be tricked into this. This is a spiritual assault. There is no doubt that the roots of all of this are demonic. And you yep. listed off the whole series of commandments this is violating. And I'm, I'm thinking about this as you're going along and saying, how about violating the first commandment? You're making medical science a god to itself. Yeah. And in the whole the the whole series we, we were talking about uh, recording a Barnhart minute about this that that uh, we're creating medical science to be a replacement for religion itself absolutely you, you've got the high priesthood you know with the the, the Fauci's and the, the doc literal doctors everywhere you've got the sacraments of receiving the the uh, the the jab because it's not mm-hmm. really a vaccine and you've got the dogma like you know thou shalt not question anything the CDC says or anything. You've got the religious garb, the, the mask that you have to wear everywhere to yep. the virtue signal. There are elements of the Islamic um, dollar Islam and dollar Arab, where you the where society, the human race is split into two camps. So there's the vaccinated and the unvaccinated, just as exactly in Islam that there's the house of Islam and the house of the infidels and the dimitude of the infidels. It's, it's all the, the Islamic, um, the Islamic model. And um, a friend of the podcast um, pointed out to me that remember also for anyone who's been through RCIA in, in, and entered the church through the Novus Ordo, um, they do the thing, which they did in the early centuries of the church where the, um, the catechumens, the people who are studying to be baptized and studying to con- to convert, um, they are dismissed from the mass at the offertory um, because they they then the the catechumens go study and they're not present for the sacred mysteries, namely the consecration of the Eucharist. Um, and isn't it interesting now that they're doing exactly the same thing that anti Pope Bergoglio and his anti Church is saying? And all kinds of bishops and parish priests are, are, are picking up on this, saying you may not attend Mass unless you have had this anti-church sacrament of this death injection, which is the analog is to baptism then. It's, a, it's an interesting, interesting point how all these things just keep lining up perfectly with each other. Yeah. I think that pretty much wraps up this particular topic. I know one we wanted to get to in, in the the bullet points that we had was ADE. I'm not sure. Well, I think Nurse Claire is the one to take it on this one. Absolutely. Well, what do you want to know? I think it's happening. Um, Let's start with the definition. What is ADE? How, why is it significant? And is it a serious problem or is it just blown out of proportion? So we know from previously that there are certain viruses that we cannot make vaccines for because in the animal trials as well as some human trials um, antibodies were conferred there was immunity that was conferred from the injection but when the subject whether it was an animal or a human being encountered the virus in the wild they had a massive cytokine storm and their immune response to the virus overwhelmed their body and killed them. And that is known as antibody dependent enhancement. Um, so this, for example, this happens with things like, um, uh, it's why we've never created a vaccine for respiratory syncytial virus. Um, that vaccine was created in the 1960s, went to human trial and killed, I think, two or three children um, 
dengue fever was another one in 2016. That vaccine went to the human trials in the Philippines, also resulted in ADE, killed a large number of people. Um, Ebola, these type of viruses, HIV, we don't have a vaccine for HIV. Um, it's been hypothesized that the, these vaccines for COVID would result in the same thing because anytime a virus, a vaccine was attempted for coronavirus, mm -hmm. this was the this was the result for decades. So, and Mark broke this. Mark was the one. He was yes. one of the first people in the entire world to break to break this. Mark, when was that? That was early on in all this. Your your post. I mean, it was it was a year ago for sure, maybe even last May when mm -hmm. I started looking into, well, you know, they're doing these these studies. They're already in, in human trials for uh, uh, the vaccine against COVID. And how how did they do that so fast? And it turns out that if you look back at the history of the development against other coronavirus vaccines, none of them made it not because they weren't effective. They were effective initially at generating antibodies. What happened was, as Nurse Claire just said, is that later when the subject was, was, was exposed to live virus, those same antibodies reacted in the wrong way and resulted in increased uptake of the pathogen and sickened the patient even worse. So we can put that post in the, in the show notes. Um, this is against, literally against SARS-CoV-1. So this is SARS-CoV-2 that we're dealing with now. That's the COVID-19. SARS-CoV-1 was in 2002, and there was a mad rush and millions of dollars poured into developing vaccines. And they did develop vaccines. The problem is they killed all of the animals and they never made, most of them never made it to human trials. Nurse Claire talked about a couple examples where they actually did make it to human trials. And unfortunately, the same thing happened. But there's never been, this is the bottom line. There's never been a successful vaccine for a coronavirus. Yep. But, we're, but we're told to believe that Moderna came up with one in five weeks. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And weren't that there were two animal trials and one was cats and one was ferrets. And I know for sure the cat one, one hundred percent of the cats died. I thought we're not, it was we're not talking huh? I thought mink was the one that had a had a hundred percent death rate. Well, yeah. I mean, we're not talking about, you know, ten out of five hundred or something like that. Guys, we're talking about one hundred percent of the animals died of this um, ADE, this cytokine storm. So that one in particular was feline coronavirus. So it was something mm -hmm. that it, it doesn't jump from cats to, to humans. So it's not 100% applicable, but it was a coronavirus, a feline mm -hmm. coronavirus. They had a, a vaccine, they tested the cats, all the cats died. Yep. So and they've known about that. And again, circling back to the 2016 article about Moderna, they're, they're openly talking about this in this article about they know that this is what happens. They're aware of this. They're aware of this toxicity. 
and it's just go, 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 go. We are going to do this. We are going to do this. Failure is not an option by any means necessary. And now well, the entire planet is living it. And the breaking news on this is that in the last two weeks, there have been two studies published and actually posted to Fauci's NIH website that show this same phenomenon could be happening with these vaccines against COVID-19. So we not only have the conjecture based on 20 years or 30 years or longer of history of these vaccines, but now we have proof from, from current studies that this is happening right now. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I just posted something and we can put that in the show notes. I think it was Friday or Saturday. The, the study showing that basically it's the, the, the antibodies, some of the antibodies in vaccinated people with, with, uh, who have been vaccinated for COVID-19, who then contract COVID, the antibodies are working to enhance the infection. Yep, absolutely. Oh, man. Yep, and we, we all saw it coming. And, but there's things we can do. God always provides in situations like this. So we've already gone through the list of, um, of at-home treatments that you can have and, and have on hand. And yeah, the thing about ivermectin and another thing we didn't mention was uh, the, the dandelion extract. All of those things, what they do is somehow, some way, they neutralize the spike protein. They, they block it. They keep it from, from um, spiking itself into um, cell membranes. And so that, that is the, the basically the, the five-cent version of the mode of function of these things. And so, yeah, there, there are things that we can do, and we will do our best, and we're going to continue to do our best. And um, someone's going to come out the other side of this and um hope, hopefully it's all of us <laughs> well maybe nurse claire can can close off this topic but also i'd, I'd like to hear her maybe if we're going to go to the wrap-up of uh some of the things that she's seeing and hearing regarding tragically um heart inflammation and other sorts of inflammation that are occurring among the teenage vaccinated because people really need to hear this yeah Yes, um, we've talked about some of the side effects in the adult population that we're seeing with, with cardiac arrhythmias, all of the blood clotting, the strokes. Um, the under 18s seem to be particularly susceptible to myocarditis from the vaccine. And, and these are, this is the population that's getting Pfizer predominantly because um, I believe it's the only one that's approved for the age 12 to 15 population. And the population so, that least needs a vaccine that of least, any kind. That least needs it. Um, myocarditis, folks, I have to tell you, I've seen, I've seen physicians on social media. I've seen physicians on mainstream media, on television, telling parents that it's not a big deal, that it's a little bit of chest pain, it recovers and responds to treatments with um, anti-inflammatories and some rest. No, 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 no. 
you don't know the subclinical damage that's being done to the myocardium, the heart muscle. You don't know what scar tissue is being formed. You don't know what lies ahead for these children into adulthood. They could develop um, a life-altering or life-ending cardiac arrhythmia from scar tissue now. They could develop a reduction in their cardiac function that limits their activity and shortens their lifespan. Um, Mark, I think you sent me two studies over the weekend I was looking at that, that talked about um, uh, cardiac MRI studies of these children. Even after their symptoms resolved, the cardiac MRI indicated they had long-term damage done to their heart. So this is not, um, this is not an irrelevant or, or minor thing, not at all. Could this be the kind of damage that would preclude them from, say, joining a military defense of the nation against a Chinese invasion? Absolutely. Yep. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. This is the kind of cardiac damage that could render a person bedbound or sedentary for their adult life. Man, unbelievable. And and I I do have colleagues that are seeing it. so severe that it's requiring heart transplant. But even in the more minor cases that don't progress on to that level of severity, long-term, they absolutely could. Yeah, it's such early days. We don't have any right. idea. Yeah. Right. This, this whole thing, this crime against humanity, it's already a fait, a fait accompli. Even if everything stops tomorrow, tomorrow morning, everything stops, so much has been done that this is the largest crime against humanity that has ever been executed. And this is going to, this is going to last the, the effects of this real, not just psychological, but physical effects of this are going to last in the population. Even if everything ends tomorrow for decades and decades and decades and decades, this is an epical, epical event in human history. And yet I think the Malthusians are going to say, going to look at that frown and say, hold my beer. I think I can do better. Yep. I'm afraid you're right. Yes, sir. One of the points I'm going to skip over very quickly, I'll put the link in the show notes. Um, the I'll just read the headline of a news story. Navy commander warns that national security threat is looming from mandatory vaccines. No I don't think I need to expand on that given everything else we've said. Well, I think link we in just the show covered notes. it. Yep. Yep. And uh, whenever I, you or anyone else posts anything like that, the image that pops into my mind is that picture that I posted several times of red Chinese People Liberation Army guys standing there with enormous big grins on their face. And you just, it, only time will tell to what extent that there was um, full-blown cooperation between the likes of Fauci and and you know, China, we know that the Obamas were, they, they were all about Maoism. Do you remember when the Obamas in their first Christmas in the White House had, had Christmas tree ornaments of Chairman Mao? I mean, these, these people are, are Maoists, all these people coming out of like Colombia, all of that. Maoism is absolutely huge with these people. And I think we're all going to be stunned, even those of us who are pretty cynical and and are kind of switched on to what's going on. I think even we will ultimately be shocked at the the interplay between 
um, the deep state in Washington and China, we, we already know that China runs the Vatican, that China has bought the Vatican and with McCarrick and all that, it was bought and paid for. But to think that this could have ultimately been an operation for the Chinese to get the Americans to completely destroy their own, their own standing military. Do I believe that that's possible? Yes, 1000%. I believe that that's possible. And just to, I mean, on a related note, anyone in the military who doesn't want this jab needs, they're executing their exit papers right now. They're getting out before their commission's up. They're getting out there. They've got 45 days. Yeah. There's people walking away from just massive um, retirement payouts and just completely walking away from it. You know, depending upon the age of the person and what their rank is, you're, you're, for a lot of them, they're easily into the seven figures of anticipated um, retirement benefits. Walking away from it. Yeah, it's I mentioned a- that at the close of the last podcast, and I got an email from somebody who is a very senior enlisted, um, not quite the 20 years, not to that magical 20 yet, who is in a similar situation. Um, and, and I put the two of them in contact. I respect their privacy. I didn't ask them what they're talking about, but... Um, they, they, in other words, the person that I mentioned in the context of, of praying to St. Tiny Princess, they, they aren't, they, this person wasn't alone. And, and I would imagine that there are probably other people listening as well who are in a situation, maybe not quite as advanced where they're more than 15, less than 20 years in the military, where they're stuck in a, in a, um, a, a, a reenlistment or, 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 um, I don't know what the equivalent is for officers um, <laughs> in their commission where they, they may be in the middle of something where they, if they put in the paperwork to resign their commission or to get out on conscientious grounds, whether or not it would be accepted. And if you're in the military, I, you can't, I, I don't, I think it's pretty much a foregone conclusion. You cannot get an exemption um, for conscience. You cannot get a conscientious, a conscientious exemption on religious grounds for being Catholic because all of the Navy chaplains are going to be following the archdiocese of New York. The, who, who is the Dolan? The, yeah. Right. The, the, the archbishop of New York is the, is the also the, the dual hat. He's, he's the, um, he, he's the military chaplain for all, all, or he's the, he's the head of, of all the military chaplains. Oh, is he really? Milita- I didn't know that. Yeah. It's oh. that's, that's been a, a, a tradition for a long time. And a priest that I knew when I was in the Navy that I would pick up at the airport in San Diego and drive him to the SSPX mass center um, and, and to say mass and then drive him back to fly back to where he came from. Um, he had been in the military much earlier in life. He was in, he was a enlisted sailor and um, I, I stayed in contact with him for a while. He got, he was contacted by the Navy. They wanted to commission him as a commander, which is a big jump typically to, um, for somebody who wants to be recruited in as a chaplain, uh, typically they start you at a lieutenant, which is an O three. It's a captain and all the other services. Uh, but they wanted to commission him either as a lieutenant commander or a commander. I forget which one. Um, there's a significant difference. One's got the scrambled eggs in their hat. The other one's just a pretty senior officer for, for getting in as your first post. But he said, I want it in writing that I never have to get off for anything but the Latin mass. And he never heard back from them. That that was the end of it. So the the idea that you're going to come across a priest who is is going to sign off 
on a religious exemption because of I don't want to take a a, a, a jab uh, that violates the fifth commandment for either of the two reasons that Nurse Clara mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. Good luck. Yeah, because the anti-pope and the anti-church have already come out and said, no, you it's a moral obligation to do it, uh, which I think we discussed this in the, in the last episode. This is why it matters who the vicar of Christ is and who the vicar of Christ isn't. Um, everybody's getting beaten over the head with that now. Um, so, yeah, if, if, if I were going to do a conscientious um, objection letter at this point, I think what you have to do is you have to focus, ironically, on viol- your own personal violation of conscience. Um, you cannot at this point... The only one I've seen is Denver, um, Aquila in Denver put out a nice letter and his letter, his conscientious objection letter did in fact focus on, um, personal conscience. But here, here it is, isn't ironic that we now have to circle back around and all that we can appeal to because of the anti-pope and because of the anti-church is we have to appeal to our own personal conscience, which which is a completely valid concept. If you know, if you know in your heart and in your mind that something is wrong, you cannot do it. You cannot do it. It's a violation of your conscience. You cannot do something which you know and believe to be wrong. And we all know and believe that this is wrong. And so that's what you're going to have to appeal to because <laughs> Rome, Rome is, I mean, I mean, can we go ahead and say it? Can we, can we say that it is the seat of, if not the Antichrist, it's, a, it's the seat of the false prophet forerunner of the Antichrist. And it's certainly the seat of the spirit of Antichrist. I think, I think at this point, that's pretty clear. So well, Our Lady at Lost Let said that Rome would lose the faith and become the seat of the Antichrist. Right. I think we're, right. part one is done. We're waiting for part two. Oh, yeah. We are, we are well along in the process. Absolutely. So, yep. But, Anne, you're right. The, the irony of the fact that we actually do have to appeal to personal conscience now mm-hmm. because that's all we can – we can't rest on anything else because everything else is upside down. Right. That's where we Be- are. Because the true pope is, is, is silenced and imprisoned. And, right. And the anti-pope is saying, is saying that you have to do evil. Yeah. And in terms of speaking about your personal consciousness or conscience, think about the trends in, in, in American politics of late. Everything has been about identity politics, identity with the group. It's, it's been the complete supplanting of the individual. So in terms True. of, in terms of appealing to your personal conscience, what's that got to do with anything? You're part of a group, white yep. man, go away. Ah, good point. Exactly. Yep, it's the complete and total inversion of of everything. Evil is good, and good is evil, and <sighs> we ain't seen well, nothing yet. Ain't seen nothing yet. <laughs> I mean, yeah, <laughs> as a, as a white man, your your personal conscience is is by its very nature disordered. Yeah, yeah, right. Yep. Yep. Exactly. Well, on that happy note. Super nerd, I see we're at we're at an hour forty. We are we are like a Swiss watch when we do these podcasts, man. Yeah, we're we just finished the first period. Uh, we got two more to go, right? <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay. Um, so I will continue into the wrap up here, unless uh, Nurse Claire had anything else to say. 
The only thing I want to say, I'm going to circle back to Anne's comment on the Maoists. Mm -hmm. um, I would encourage everyone to look into the devotion to our Lord's holy face, who he gave to a Carmelite sister in Tours, France in, 18, in the 1840s. Um, right around the time that Karl Marx was actually writing the Communist Manifesto. Ah, yes, and yeah. at that time, the world did not know communism. Mm -hmm. The word communism wasn't even really a word. Yet our Lord, when he gave this devotion to uh, Sister Mary of St. Peter, he told her that this was the antidote to communism. This no devotion. Way. Yes, he did. And yes, he did. <laughs> um, he, he told her that this would be the weapon to battle the communists. And I find it so delicious that in this era, when we're being told to hide our face, that uh -huh. our Lord, our Lord wants us to reverence his holy face. And so this, I'm convinced, this is the devotion along with Fatima. This is the devotion of our time. Mm -hmm. So if, if you can, if you look into this devotion, um, offer the prayers of reparation to the holy face of our Lord, get, a, get an image of his holy face. I've been blessed to have um, a relic in my house um, that, that I, I pray before every day. Um, offer the chaplet of the holy face for the defeat of the communists, for the defeat of this wicked, wicked plan. Absolutely. Wow. That, I mean, our Lord dropping the word communism in, in the 1840s, that reminds yep. me of Bernadette yep. Subaru just dropping the phrase, I am the immaculate conception in her little pigeon Occitan dialect, and everybody's like, what? <laughs> that, that's... Even her local priest wasn't entirely sure that she knew what she, or that, that he understood what it was she was saying. It was the bishop yeah. was like, she said what? Yeah. She was illiterate. <laughs> She was illiterate, and, and she said it in much Occitan. If, if, if she had heard, overheard anybody talking about it, they would have been either talking in French or in Latin. There's no way she ever heard anybody talking about the Immaculate Conception in Occitan dialect. So that, oh, that, our Lord dropping, dropping the word communism in 1840. I mean, Marx was probably sitting in a cafe somewhere writing the manifesto, you know? That's, right. that's absolutely amazing. Wow. So the book, I have it actually here sitting next to me on the desk. The book uh, that she, her, the revelations she wrote, it's called The Golden Arrow. Buy the book, read about the devotion, and um, pray to defeat these people because this is, this is a communist, worldwide communist movement, a technocracy that mm -hmm. we're living through and we have to pray to defeat it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yep. You mentioned global communist technocracy. I've got a friend who's a, an MD who grew up in Hungary. His, his father was an MD also. And even though they were devout Catholics, they were left alone because he was a doctor. <laughs> so he was part of the te technocracy. Even the communists respected that. I'd never mm. thought about it until you put to, until you mentioned that never thought about yeah. it in those terms. History, yeah. history doesn't repeat, but it rhymes. Yep, yep. 
Well, I need to go into the wrap up because I have no space left on my page to write notes anymore. So I have to set well, this there aside. You go. <laughs> uh, the email address for the podcast where you can send feedback, comments, suggestions, good news items, or anything really. The email address is podcast at barnhart.biz. That email address is simultaneously the emails go to Anne and myself. And if it's for, uh, if, if you have something for Nurse Claire or non-Vinnie Mark or Dr. Beep or anyone else, just send it to that address and we'll get it routed on. In the same sense that God knows where your prayers go when you pray to St. Uh, Tiny Princess, we'll forward on your emails to Nurse Claire and, and, and the other characters that you hear on this podcast. Super Nerd is the mediator of all emails. <laughs> instead, of the, instead of Our Lady being the mediatrix of all graces, Super Nerd is the mediator of all emails. Yeah. Yes, indeed. I'm making a strange face at you saying that. It sounds way cooler than it really is, but okay, I'll go with it. Uh, Anne expresses her profound gratitude to all of her benefactors, at least one mass every single day, plus Mm -hmm. one traditional Catholic requiem mass for everybody who died in the previous week. I don't want to make a joke about the people who died in Afghanistan trying to hitch a ride on a C-17, but that was horrific. Uh, We started the podcast with talking about Afghanistan. That is a desperate... uh, horrible situation going on right there and there were some people some locals uh who were trying to literally hitch a ride on the outside of a c-17 and they physics finally overtook them at several hundred feet in altitude and they did not have a happy conclusion but everybody who's died in the last week there's a traditional catholic requiem mass being offered for them please pray for the priests as much as we all in general are being targeted by the uh technocracy uh, the priests specifically are being targeted because the technocracy it's it's we're just name nameless masses we're just people who need to be called down to the 500 million but satan who is ultimately driving all this stuff really has the bullseye on everybody who has that indelible mark on their soul that they are a priest forever and the anti-pope and the anti-church are, are also in high gear now against um faithful believing priests as well obviously absolutely yeah and it cannot be underscored enough or emphasized enough or magnified enough shouted enough we can't make the point strongly enough pray for the priests offer sacrifices to the priests Um, without them we really don't have a good chance at salvation Uh, obviously you can you can make perfect acts of contrition and and um, make up for your sins that way but Perfect acts of contrition have to be perfect, which is a way higher bar than a legitimate confession. Uh, so pray for the priests. We <laughs> we can get to heaven without them, but it's it, it's like the point zero zero zero. It's you're more likely to die of COVID than than well, you. Well, your analogy of the one person who rode one of the twin towers down and survived. I mean, that's kind of what you're looking at, and yeah. this also segues into the point. Avail yourself of the priest while you can and go to confession. Go to confession early and often. I mean, if, yep. if you're if you're fighting even not even not even necessarily a habitual sin, but something that pops up from time to time, the best defense against this is regular confession. Mm-hmm. I've heard a priest say before, go to confession before you need to go, go to confession so you don't have to go to confession. <laughs> well said. Indeed. And, and it's it's absolutely true. Absolutely. Yep. It, it it is a it, it and even for the, I made the comment earlier that that uh, demonic possession is not really that common. Uh, it's a very uncommon thing, and exorcists tell us this, even though it's starting to get more common. But even for possessed souls, when they go through the process of ex or, uh, of not excommunication uh, of exorcism, 
going to confession is a very powerful remedy for unseating that demon and, and, and setting the stage for getting that demon expelled. A devout confession rids you of sin and attachment to sin. So even, even if you've been to confession in the last couple of weeks, don't take for granted that you can go next week. You've got no idea what's coming down the pike. Yep. I mean, just think about last year when all the churches got shut down and all of a sudden you can't go to confession. It's that, coming again. It, it, it's coming. It, it absolutely yeah. is coming again. We don't know when, when it's going to happen. It may not be this year, but it's definitely coming again. So, yes, pray for the priests because without them and, and pray for more priests, pray for the vocations to, to the priesthood. That's Especially now with the anti-pope attacking the Latin mass. And obviously it's, it's the, it's the traditional seminaries that are full, that are full, full and filling. And there's lads in seminary right now who have got to be super duper nervous about if they're going to have their vocation, you know, basically in their mind ruined. Um, and, think about the lads who are discerning entering seminary in the first place who are looking at this attack by the anti-pope and thinking well no i mean it's it's not it's not feasible it's not viable i'm not even going to bother it's it's exactly the opposite this is the time this is the time this is like the analogy of you know the japanese bomb pearl harbor and everybody immediately goes down to the to the enlistment office and signs up that's what should be going on um, but we do have to pray for this for continued and more vocations, even now, especially now. It was like the, during the dark times of, of during World War II in, in Britain, Churchill saying this is our finest hour, but we do need valiant men to step up and, and yep. volunteer for service. Yep. Amen. And you will need patrons along the way. And don't forget St. Tiny Princess. Mm-hmm. Pray to her. Pray for her intercession. Um, I... I uh, ask her to help everybody who hears these podcasts. Um, yeah, definitely. Don't for, don't forget you. We've got a patron here that, that we can have help a patron, out. Yeah, and if you've cool. never heard of her, uh, my I had a daughter who was born with a severe genetic condition. The doctors told us she might live a few days. She ended up living um, just over eight months. And everybody who who helped out with 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 because uh, she needed you know twenty four seven medical care. Everyone who helped out all said the same thing there is something radiating off of her peace joy she's the kind of person where if detected uh by via sonogram in utero the doctors typical doctors say oh abort her there's no value to her mm-hmm. but nobody who met her would have would have agreed with that yep she is a saint in heaven absolutely she had she's baptized she was confirmed she received um holy communion no 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 it's just baptism and, and confirmation she did she never received she never no, got the precious blood part of the part of the her, of her um condition was that she had near constant seizures and so there ah. was there was no guarantee that she would not have regurgitated any attempt at giving her communion ah, so okay. the, the we, we we definitely looked into that um, we, we had her topped off as much as possible spiritually and sacramentally. <laughs> um, and, and yeah, we, I lost a lot of sleep, uh, caring for her, but at the same time, it's, it, it, it was a blessing that uh, I think I made the joke at one point in time. Um, and it's like to, to be given a gift where you know that your child will be in heaven. Yeah. Um, this, this is something that not everyone has. And, and I was joking. It's like, what in the world does God have in store for me that I'm going to need the intercession of a, of a daughter in heaven? Um, well, this was way before COVID and yeah. everything we're looking at right now. 
and the year and four months later, <laughs> the, the, the tailspin of what's happening in Rome. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe this is part of it. So yeah, yeah definitely enjoin her in prayer. Um, I think I'm, I think I'm, I'm able to speak for her and say she's willing to help. Yeah. Yeah. The Barnhart podcast is a production of super nerd media. If you found some value in this episode or previous episodes, and would like to return some value since this is a value for value podcast. Please visit supernerdmedia.com to learn more. And I want to recognize a few donors since the last podcast. And uh, donor Deborah didn't just send a donation. She sent a care package as well, as well as a check for the uh, Sister Servants of Mary. So I'm going to, oh, I nice. to forward that on to them since we were just talking about Tiny Princess. Yep. Um, she sent a, and I sent you the, everyone on the chat group, I think, saw this this uh, message it, it, or the, the photo with this. It was a sacred heart flag. And I'll get a I'll get a new photo of this, and and we'll have to post it. Um, I think this podcast will probably be posted in two or three days because I've got a bunch of stuff in my schedule the next few days. Maybe in the interim we can post this. Yes. And um, this this flag is available to anybody who wants to purchase it. It would go great with the Holy Face uh, devotion um, mm-hmm. between the Immaculate Heart, the Sacred Heart, and the Holy Face. You know these devotions that are that are coming to us late in the history of the Church. Um, with regard to they're coming for a reason, they're yeah. coming for a reason. And, and in the case of, of the, the devotion to the Immaculate Heart, Our Lady said, This is the last, this is the last hope for mankind. This is mm-hmm. the last remedy that, that's being given. Um, and, and, and in terms of, of time, yes, Holy Face, Sacred Heart, Immaculate Heart. Um, definitely, this is something to to keep in mind. I'll, like I said, I'll, I'll get the photo to Anne and, and uh, maybe we can blog it. And, and I will Absolutely. provide some information about. Uh, how somebody can order this. Um, it, it's, it's a beautiful flag to, to, to post wherever you have a devotion to the Sacred Heart. So, nice. uh, yes, Donor Deborah sent that along. Uh, John also sent something. This is via the Postal Service. Um, John sent a donation also with the note, Without you, I wouldn't have Ann Barnhart, and without Ann, I wouldn't have the truth. Oh dear! Oh I dear! Think Ooh, found a, that's a bit much. <laughs> that's laying it on a little thick, there, bud. <laughs> well, I mean, it, it, you might have found it otherwise, but I, I get, I get where you're going with that. I greatly appreciate it. I think Anne could have found any number of of potential super nerds to help her out, but uh, I, I appreciate it. Uh, via PayPal, uh, the auto recurring donors or the the ones of the the auto auto monthly. Uh, three new ones this month: Gail, Marion, and David, and then um, a, a veteran recurring donor, Low, and then the, the one-off donors via PayPal. There's Michael, anonymous, who just wants to be anonymous, actually. Uh, Kira, who sent the note, "Go Super Nerd, go." <laughs> I'm not sure where, but okay, I, I got it. Yes, uh, Digital Masters and PMJ. We've we've heard of PMJ before. Uh, thank you to everyone who donated, and no, n- nothing via Bitcoin this time. Um, and nothing via any other source. Um, but thank you for all the donors that this definitely keeps everything uh, going, pays for clean feed, the, the, uh, recording platform we're using right now, mm-hmm. which is awesome because I can, um, <laughs> I can, I can get everyone's channels, uh, edited just so, um, which definitely it is, makes super nerd very, very happy. <laughs> it makes the audio way better because yeah. There's four of us on the podcast, and I guarantee all four of us are at very different volume levels. But by the time I'm done with the editing process, I've got everything separate. Uh, some of the challenges I've had in the past where it's been uh, the MazaCast is that Mark and, and Dr. Maza are on the same channel, and they are not at the same volume. And I can't really correct that. <laughs> so uh, Dr. Maza is at 11, and Mark's at about a 4, uh, which is 
clearly audible, but you can hear the difference. With clean feed, I can have everyone right at a, at a nine where they're supposed to be. So very nice. I'm wrapped up with everything I've got to say. And you got something about Matthew seventeen twenty. Matthew seventeen twenty intention: pray every day without ceasing, fast twice a week if you can. Fourfold intention that anti-pope Bergoglio be publicly recognized and removed as anti-pope and the whole anti-papacy be nullified. Um, intention two, that Pope Benedict Ratzinger be publicly recognized as having been the one and only living pope since April of 2005. That Bergoglio repent, revert to Catholicism, die in the state of grace in the fullness of time, not rooting for anybody's death here. He needs all the time he can get to revert and someday achieve the beatific vision, and that Pope Benedict repent of anything that he might need to repent of, that he die in the state of grace in the fullness of time, and likewise someday achieve the beatific vision. Nothing less will do. Our Lady Undoer of Knots, Our Lady of Copacabana, pray for us. And I mentioned praying for priests. These bishops in white might need a priest in the image of St. John the Baptist to kind of hit him upside the head with a clue trolley and, mm -hmm. and get him in line. Maybe that's the, the grace they need. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, before we wrap up, Nurse Claire, anything you want to finish up with? Nope, I'm good. Thank you, dear. Thank you for coming on tonight at, at very short notice. Thank you for having me. All right. We'll, we'll do it again soon, I'm sure. And Mark, what are your final words for tonight? Stay frosty, my friends. I suspected that was coming. Okay, mm -hmm. until next time, I am Super Nerd. And I'm Ann. Thanks, guys. God bless. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs>